0: And jumping into deal machine, you'll be able to go out there, start driving for dollars, start pulling lists, start finding the most motivated sellers in your market. And then you can start marketing to them directly. You can skip trace. You can send them postcards. You can knock on their door. There's a variety of things that we can help you out with using our technology. And then from there, you can actually evaluate the deals, you know, comp it, use our AI assistant to help you out there as well. You really to get the full toolkit to go from you know having no real estate experience to landing your first deal using technology. So it's tomzcom slash deal machine for that free trial. With it, if you go through that link, you're gonna get $30 free in marketing credits that cover a couple hundred free skip traces or 50 free postcards, give you everything that you need to start reaching out to sellers. So um get out there and happy deal finding.
1: They may need something, be it a buyer even, you know, someone that doesn't want to, you know, if I approach them as, on my buyers list. And they're not in the industry at all, but I, or possibly as a private money person. And if they say no, well, I'll just maybe downline, I might ask them again because you never know that things might change.
2: Welcome to the Get Traction Podcast. If you were ready to learn exactly what it takes to become a real estate entrepreneur, this is the show for you with your host, founder of Traction Real Estate Mentors and president of the Traction Real Estate Investors Association, Tom
3: Z. Welcome back to the Get Traction Podcast. This is Tom Zeeb, your host, happy to be back. And with me always is my producer, Harry Duran. Hey, Harry. Hey, Tom, how are you? Awesome, thanks. And we've got a very special guest on the line. I'm super excited. I am stoked to be doing I love doing student interviews where we talk about success stories of my students out there in the field, making this happen, making good money in real estate investing, changing their communities, and improving the housing stock. And today's guest is Mark Duncan, who's from uh, the Portland area in Oregon, let's say north, uh, Northern Oregon on the coast. Uh, Mark, are you with us?
1: Yes, I am. How are you doing? Awesome, thanks. What part of Oregon are you in? Well, I uh, presently live uh, in a place called Rockaway Beach, Oregon, which is about an hour and a half uh, straight west of Portland. So I drive in and mainly do my work in Portland. Um, so for those of you that don't know, if you ever see the movie Goonies, uh, the beach scene there, that's, that's basically where, where I live.
3: Fantastic. So you have pirate ships that break free of caves and come out.
1: Yes. Yeah. There's a few. There's a few.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it always happens. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, that, thanks for being here, Mark. Um, tell us a little bit about wh- when did you, when did we meet? Um, when did you uh, first attend the boot camp? And let's give us a little background on yourself.
1: Okay, sure. Well, uh, I'm a member of the uh, Northwest RIA uh, out here in the Portland area. And I went to uh, a Thursday night um uh, meeting you had i think it was last september time frame november or not sorry uh, august september time frame last year and uh went to your friday and or excuse me your thursday and your saturday event and then signed up to go to uh, your boot camp and you know signed up for your program and uh, went to the boot camp in uh, washington dc there so it's been coming up uh, about 10 months eight months that i've uh, been working with you what kind of results have you had in that time? Actually been um, been real busy. I have, well, first off, you know, the great thing about your course is I'm able to bring my team members there. So uh, have you train them instead of me try to train them. And they work in <laughs> they, they work totally different parts of the state. So they're working areas that I would never, never get to. So one's down in the Southern Oregon area and one's in the uh, Willamette Valley, which is Eugene, Salem, for those of you that are, um, uh, might know the area. Uh, and so they work. They work the areas and I work the Portland metro area, uh, so uh, that's worked out well. Uh, some of the deals I've done, I've closed a couple through uh, drive-by. Uh, that was uh, two uh, out-of-state owners. Uh, they happen to know each other, so I sent letters to both, and then they kind of put things together. And those those did well. Those were took a little while to close on both those, but they were. Uh, one was about a ten thousand dollars, just a shade under ten thousand dollars, and the other was uh, five thousand dollars wholesale fee on those.
3: So tell us a little bit more about those uh, first before we move out. We're yeah, sure.
1: One sure. by one. Yeah.
3: You, you you said you found them from driving for deals.
1: Yep, driving for deals. Uh, both in the same area. They're both a couple of blocks away from each other, and they were both uh, rental houses that were uh, that needed needed very very needed some attention to say the least. So they were weren't looking too good.
3: Is that what stood out about them as you drive by?
1: Yeah. As I drove by, I took a picture of them, uh, sent them um, a postcard, you know, both of them to both of them. And, uh, you know, stating that I was interested in their property could close quickly, that kind of thing. Stuff that I learned from your um, took your template of your postcard and made my own uh, and both responded back within, I think it was maybe two mailings. Cause I mailed them out about 30 days apart and both responded on the second one. Um, and then went and physically met with one of the owners uh, at one of the properties who didn't live too far away, but they wanted to come out and meet me and everything. So I met with them and discussed that kind of went back and forth on a price and um, was able to, um, to close that. And then the other one I did strictly over the phone as a referral from the one, one customer, first gentleman I was talking to, he referred me. And, uh, so I talked to the other one who got that all done over the phone. That was a little quicker and easier. It wasn't as much as the first one, but that's fine. I'll take it.
3: Well, $15,000 total for driving around. Doesn't, doesn't, no, sound like not, good bad at all. <laughs> not bad at all.
1: Yeah. Pays for the gas for a, quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> you probably covered for a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it was good. It was good learning. I, uh, one of the things with the gentleman in person there, I, uh, and going back and forth on the price and stuff, I use the uh, flinch method on the, uh, the way you taught the uh, negotiating and that, that was pretty fun. So,
3: Oh, how to flinch. Now you said you were purely on the phone. So if, if for people that don't know, anytime flinching is basically anytime, anyone says any pro any number whatsoever, yep. you, you you flinch and act like you were assaulted by the
1: number. So tell yes. us how that went. Yeah. He, um, it was approximately about, 245, 245,000. He came in, he said, I wanted 260. And I said, Oh, I, you know, it's, yeah, it's not going to be able to work. And, and kind of went back and forth (laughs) and got him down to about 245 uh, with an ARV of about 400. So that worked out pretty well. Um, It wasn't a huge deal, but it was, uh, it was a good deal nonetheless. But we went back and forth and, and, uh, and, and it worked. Hey
2: Mark, um, I was wondering if you could think back um, to before you found Tom's program. Like, um, what what was it? Wh- where were you at the time that you were actually looking looking for something like like that? Like what Tom was offering?
1: Yeah, I'd been in in and out of real estate for thirty years. Uh, worked in commercial industrial real estate. I'm an actual agent as well, real estate agent as well. And um, about two years ago. My regular job went away, so I was trying to figure out what to do, and then I decided to get into get back into real estate full time, one hundred percent, and then kind of discovered the uh, real estate investing world. Did a few deals over the years. Uh, prior to that, kind of just falling into some uh, flips and things, and so uh, kind of taking it up as a full time business, if you will. It took a little while to get it going. It was spinning the wheels a little bit. And then, uh, the nice thing was, uh, seeing Tom's program and noticing that on the, on the schedule, I figured that's oh, gotta be good. You know, you gotta go to that because I it sounds like it's, and it is nuts and bolts of, of wholesaling, which is good because you get a lot of little classes and training here and there, but it's, you know, kind of cursory. It's kind of, I always use the term 30,000 feet you know, it's kind of taught at 30,000 feet where Tom is at about a thousand feet. So you're, you're there and you're seeing everything. So it works out real well. And then again, like I mentioned, it was, it was good. It's good to bring um, some people on my team. I've got a couple other people lined up that we're going to try to make it out to Washington, DC, either this next one or the one after and get some more people trained up.
2: It sounds like you were, you had tried a couple of other programs. Um, What was it when you saw how Tom had organized his that attracted you?
1: Um, yeah. Well, a couple other programs, I did some weekend um, boot camps with some others and they, they were good. They gave they gave a uh, pretty good overview, but there was, was mainly focusing on the flipping part and how to kind of put those together um, and not enough, I thought, on the marketing and actually getting the deals. So they had a lot of it on uh, finding money and things like that. But the hardest part, I don't know, for me, is just finding the deals. And uh, the other stuff will all fall in line if you, if you, if you have a deal, because if you have a deal, you can go find the money pretty quick because people will fall over themselves to get, get you the money in most cases, but uh, finding them. And that's where this thing came up and I shared it with, with others. I've got um, other people on my team that haven't been to the training yet in person, but uh, I've gone over the different things and they will watch, or excuse me, they will listen to the podcast as well and get the information
3: you have an interesting story with some of your bird dogs so some some of your bird dogs are um what would you tell people your bird dogs do yeah um a a bird dog is a scout someone out there who who you recruit to another set of eyes and ears to go find deals or like you were driving for deals and found those two properties a bird dog would find those two properties and tell you about them so you're you're able to expand out so what group of people is it that you're using to
1: turn in the bird dogs for you. Well, I've been um coaching high school football and track for since the mid-80s on and off. And, uh so what I've done is I use former athletes that I've coached uh that are kind of just getting out of college and uh they're always looking for some extra money, you know, when they feel like getting up off the couch and not playing video games, you know, they want to get out and uh <laughs> and, and make some extra money. So that's what I've done and they've uh, actually Uh, brought me a few things we haven't closed on them yet but they've they've uh, brought me some um traffic anyway uh to work on but yeah so i have gosh i would say seven or eight eight people that i've coached in the past that are uh that are my bird dogs for me and then uh, one bird dog i have is a lady that runs the doggy daycare that we take our dog to and um she's a junkie on HGTV. So she wants to learn all about that kind of stuff. So it works out pretty well, pretty well. You just ask, ask a lot of people. And um, they will always want to make some extra money.
2: Do you find that there's a, a, a trait with some of the bird dogs that do it better than others?
1: Yes, kind of more of an entrepreneurial mindset. Uh, one thing that like in coaching high school track, there's, uh, for those of you who haven't done it, I mean, there's a lot of kind of standing around and visiting with and you, and you talk and have conversations with the athletes. And I always like, first thing I'd like to do is find out what the family, you know, what the parents do for a living, what their dad does. And in a lot of cases, uh, the school that I coach, it's, um, there's a lot of entrepreneurial type parents there. So I felt that that kind of helps, you know, the kid, the child, the, the athlete understands kind of that mindset and that, um, uh, that way of, of doing business. So it works out pretty well. I have one uh, girl that, uh, that I coached whose family runs a, uh, a small business. She actually does a lot of the paperwork for that business and the, in the numbers. So she understands that. And she's um, helping me out with uh, some of my social marketing, social media stuff, and, uh, and also doing some driving for dollars as well. So it works out pretty well, but just find the kids that kind of more of an entrepreneurial spirit and uh, come from families that are, you know, have self-employed people in them, that works best.
3: Yeah, it's interesting how it works out well when people have a certain kind of mindset that it, it, it adds to that. So like anything, you're going to, you want to reach out to a number of different types of bird dogs and let's see which ones get active. Because uh, I talk about a lot kind of deal one-itis, you, you never want to be focused on one particular deal, just like don't be focused on one particular source. Always have a number of um, balls in the air that you're juggling. That way, whichever one starts to pop and hit, you can follow through on that. But you don't get too obsessed with any one thing at the expense of doing nothing else. Exactly, yeah. Cool. And let's talk a little bit about your – you've been working to kind of dominate your state in the different regions and the different areas. uh, Let's talk about that.
1: Sure. Well, as I mentioned earlier on, I, I live at the northern Oregon coast, so I'm about an hour and a half outside of the Portland metro area. And the Portland metro area is fairly large, about 3 million people um, if, you know, put it all together there. And the one thing is I'm trying to set things up throughout the state with bird dogs and the other people in other parts of the area that, that I don't have to drive into Portland as much as I have been uh, this time of year coaching track. I'm, uh, in the middle of about, uh, 18 out of 19 days straight of driving into Portland an hour and a half each way. And, uh, Gets a little old after a while, but you know, it's kind of the you know, it's it's the uh, it's you know, we we chose to live at the beach, so that's what kind of what happens there. But so I'm trying to set it up to where I have people spread out throughout the state, uh, so it allows me to do more things from home. One thing, Portland is I don't know, you know, most you know, some of the people don't really know Oregon, you have Portland metro area, which is obviously the largest, and then you have just a handful of other kind of smaller little 50 to 100,000 uh population you know towns or little groups of towns so it's not it's not you know it's everything's real spread out so we have southern oregon which is you know a five-hour drive from portland which is uh, medford and uh you know roseburg down that area and i have uh, my one uh partner samantha she works those areas and then the uh um, eugene salem albany area which is the the middle part and that's jody works there i'm currently looking for someone to work the bend area which is about 150,000 or so people in that area, so, um, and that's where all the Californians with all the California money are coming up to move to. So is, uh, you know, in the uh, Bend area, which is more central Oregon. And then other than that, there's really not much, not much left. A lot of, a lot of empty space out here.
3: Gotcha. Which is a good so tell, thing. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> tell us about some of the other deals you, you, you're doing. Yeah. Um, some of the deal stores.
1: Yeah. So what I've done is, and. Uh, one thing that I learned uh, through, you know, through your training was, you know, about the buyers list. And uh, if I can't emphasize enough is have a diverse buyers list, not just, you know, regular flippers and, you know, full of flippers and that kind of thing is I have um, a handful of people that are buy and hold types. So uh, the nice thing is with one of them, I actually coached years ago, who has a couple hundred rental houses, I should say a couple hundred, Doors, so he's got you know, like seventy or eighty single-family homes, and the rest kind of spread amongst fourplexes and duplexes and things. But he is in a buying mode, and he's buying you know a certain area and a certain type of um, property. Uh, he's buying anything that's uh, zoned commercial in the Portland area in certain areas. So what I've done is I've looked up a lot of um, deals that way, being being on the multiple listings. I've been able to, you know, it's easy for me to get expired listings. So I've done a couple expired listing deals with him, um, and uh, one was a duplex and one's a single family home, and that that was good. That um, brought in five grand and fifteen k on those, uh, one each. And then um, actually another thing I've done, you've taught us uh, if we get a property under uh, under contract to you know put together a packet of information to send out to all the other people on your buyers list. Well, I get those as well. I get a probably four or five a week throughout the state from two or three different wholesalers. Some of them are big companies out of, out of or big groups of people out of uh, California that work in Oregon. And I've actually uh, done three wholes- wholesale to wholesale three times. Now those aren't as big of money, but it's, you know, it's something. Um, I've been able to get five grand a piece on those. And what's nice is they will send out the uh they will sign out or send out the um the sheet about a property and they will have you know the purchase price from them what their suggested uh suggested rehab and then the arv at the end you know what it's worth at the end and with him if it's in his area you know i go look at it with him and he looks at it and he says you know what if you were to flip it, you need to get a new roof. But if you look at the roof, the roof is good enough for 10 years. So he doesn't have to worry about it or five years, things like that. So he's able to um, get into it with, uh, you know, with less, less rehab cost, and it, and it makes sense to him. So we're able to kind of outbid the other wholesalers in the process. So we've been able to get a few of those as well. So that's, that's worked out well. So wholesaling a wholesale. Yeah.
3: Wholesaling a wholesale. Yeah. So, which is effectively, taking the buyers that you've developed and some of the relationships with particular buyers of yours and leveraging that by feeding them, you know, you know what he wants. And so you can find other deals, even if it's other wholesalers that have them and still make money off of someone else's deal.
1: Right. And I've done on both those, I've done a simultaneous close and that's worked out well because that way nobody, he understands. I've told him, I said, Hey, dude, I got to make some money on this and he's good with that. He's no problem, but I don't want to, uh, upset the other wholesalers on that. (laughs) So I just, yeah, I just, I just do a simultaneous close and, um, and that, and that's worked out great. And then we're also in the process, uh, same guy, Chris is his name. Um, another expired listing single family home we're working on and, um, and then a real nice, uh, well, it's not a real nice building, but a nice, it's going to be a pretty good uh, number of a expired uh, listing on a duplex and it's zoned commercial Right off, you know, a couple houses off of main street. So that's right up his alley because in Oregon, you know, in Portland area, rents are tight. You know, they're, they're up there and, and uh, they're, they're, they just passed statewide rent control and all that. So there's a lot of, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of things up in the air with Oregon when it comes to that, but he's positioned well enough that he, you know, anything, anything will work for him.
3: So even in a competitive market, I mean, Portland's been on on fire now for you. I mean, just fantastic market and prices mm-hmm. moving up. There's a number of different markets like that across the country. And I always hear people say, oh, what am I going to do here? It's too crazy here. No one's going to go low here. There's no money to be made here. So <laughs> it sounds like, I mean, so far, I think you've been talking about over 50 grand in in, in profits so yes. far. So. Mm-hmm. What say you about all that, Mark?
1: Well, it's, if the people are going to just go off of Zillow and, you know, look for properties that way that look distressed, you're not going to get very far because everybody and their brother is looking at it and it drives the price up. Same thing with, you know, off of regular multiple listings. That's why the expired listings work well. And just drive, you know, just drive for dollars. I've done uh, mail, I'm in the process of mail, you know, mailing for probate. I uh, haven't got anything there yet, but I, I expect that to start happening pretty soon. And then, of course, out-of-state owners, like you taught us, that's that's the best one. Actually, I'm looking on at a lot here in the town where I live at the beach that's closer to the ocean that we're thinking about tying up so we can build a house there in the next year or so. Um, something with a little, little better view, a little closer to the beach and stuff, so.
3: Gotcha. So there's nothing wrong with using the same techniques to improve your own situation and upgrade your own house.
1: Right, and exactly. And then also too, down here um, at the beach, the area I live is you know like a thousand people. It's not much. And then uh, the main town, about twenty minutes south of us, is six thousand. So not a lot, but there's some industry down here. There's a big cheese factory and a and a, and different things and a lot of uh, dairy farms and stuff but they are lacking in um, uh, rental houses. Everything down here seems to be a a Airbnb type vacation rental. So for people find, so that's what my next mission is to, is to tie up some different things and try to get some rentals down here. The numbers are a little high. It's hard to make the rentals kind of pencil out, but if you can get a duplex, they work easily down here, single family homes, not so much, but I'm trying to tie that up so I can either build, build something or, um, do something even with a manufactured home down here. I mean, you can rent those or do at least own things all day long down here. So you're taking
3: the same. I mean, you've been talking about wholesale deals that you've done, but as you're looking ahead, you're thinking cash flow and rentals. Yes. How does what I've taught you change? Does it change, or is it is it effectively just what you're focusing on?
1: Uh, no, it hasn't changed. It's um, it's kind of what I'm focusing on. I want to get you know get some more money in, money in the bank as I do this. Uh, the nice thing about wholesaling and getting good at it and getting uh, getting houses under contract from all different types of, you know, marketing, you know, driving or letters and that kind of thing is I'm able to find properties that I could look at more as a rental and make it work out here. Cause the 1% rule um, doesn't really work. I mean, to get a, you know, $2,000 a month rent out here, you're spending, you know, three fifty on a house. So if I'm able to find something for you know, duplex and things, you know, the, then you can make it work. But it's allowing me to get in there and, and root around and find stuff that I normally wouldn't have in the past. Gotcha. So
3: it's just a matter of the marketing's marketing, negotiations and negotiation, the contracts and contracts. It's just changing what you personally want the outcome to be.
1: Right. Now, for example, Um major need for him because he's getting it from all his other properties that he bought years ago but what he's doing is he's getting set up to where once portland eases up on the uh, cost of permitting and things like that because it's out of control for that he has properties that he can turn into aplexes or or larger and he's just kind of wanting wanting rentals that you know if he makes makes a couple hundred bucks a month great if not it's not the end of the world he he just doesn't want to lose too much and so he's kind of preparing for the future and um and, and doing it that way. Whereas myself, I'm, I'm obviously not, not to that yet. I'd like to be someday, but uh, you know, I'd like to get some rentals that actually have some cash each month. So.
3: <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> but meanwhile, with this, with this other fellow, you're able, if you find properties that are kind of eh, average, you can wholesale them to him and he's, and he'll buy them from you.
1: Yep. Yeah. And he's good. He's, you know, cash right there. And then he goes and re, you know, works on them, makes them nice and then refinances them through a commercial his commercial bank and things though. It's like that. So. Gotcha. Since he's taken the longer term view, he could take a little less now, but he's got his
3: financial act together. Uh, right. again, planning, planning for his future. Fantastic. Right. And he
1: has, yeah, he'll have several properties under one large loan kind of thing. You know, it works out well and he's able to, you know, get the stuff and make it work where an average small person with a handful of rentals probably could not make it work. He's able to make it work. And therefore for me, it allows me to, uh, find him properties that, Normally, you have to say, "Up, oh, can't do it." On to the next one. Well, just about anything I look at is a possibility for him or someone else in my group.
3: Very good. How do you meet buyers like this? Because I mean, that's a that's a solid buyer to have. Someone who's yeah. going to look at it, you know, look at borderline stuff. Um, how, how did you How did you develop those kinds of buyers? Well, this? that
1: particular one, back in uh, my first year of coaching, I was only 21 years old coaching, and then he was a sophomore. So I uh, got to know him then, and then kind of kept in contact with a lot of those guys at that age, um, you know, way back when, so those are the guys I've used over the years. Um, also too, I have a couple of people on my buyers list that are parents of kids that I coach now. So they come and watch their kids, uh, uh, compete. And I will always go up and introduce myself to the, to the parents and, you know, obviously ask them what they do, kind of fish around a little bit. And, um, and a couple of uh, we're, the headquarters of Nike is nearby. So both the people that are on my buyers list that want to get involved and, and buy something are both Nike executives. So that, that works well. And then uh, a lot of my other buyers are through the RIA. So um, what's nice is once a month, they have a meeting where they just go around the room and everybody just says their name and phone number and what they're looking for, what they have. And I get that list and I have it, I put it on a spreadsheet. And I have probably 50 or 60 people on that list that I've, that I market to each time I've gotten something under contract, just so, just so happens. I've had a couple of my other people, I've already had some, you know, I had them in mind when I pick up the property. So I pretty much have a, know where it's going to go before I get it. So,
3: yeah, as you should. And that's what I, I want folks to remember. Sometimes you, you know, what your buyers want. And then you go out and find it and then just match them with it because, you know, they're they're busy with their rentals or they're busy with their rehabs. But if you get busy finding what they want, that's a beautiful relationship.
1: Yes. I have an appointment, uh, matter of fact, this afternoon uh, in a few hours that um, I'm meeting that one buyer with the rentals uh, at a house that... Uh... Actually has a, an additional lot tied to it, so the, the cost of it is is up there. It's it's basically I can say it, it's uh, about four hundred fifty thousand for a, for a house that will rent for about thirty two hundred bucks a month. But there's an additional lot tied to it that's important for him because it's like okay I I won't make a whole lot of money, but then I can actually you know put a tall skinny skinny little house on it, and make some extra money there.
3: So it's recognizing those opportunities since you've gotten to know your buyer and you understand what they're after.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I've known them for years enough to where it's a real candid, you know, we have candid conversations about that kind of stuff and it's, it's easy and I'll tell them, I go, nah, don't mess with it. You know, as we get into something, we've, we've looked at two or three others that I've said, I, I said, let's get, yeah, I said, I can find you something that's better, better than this.
3: And let me, let me say this, Mark, just so, so <laughs> the, the lesson for the people out there is not that they, um. Not that they need to know, you know, top executives at a big company, or not that they necessarily need to, uh, you know, become a an athletic coach and and interview the parents. It's think about what you're saying and how that can apply to their own individual lives. So everybody knows somebody. You know people, but have you actually talked to them in a way that would make sense to see if they are buyers, if they know buyers, if they're prevalent, How could you help them? It's not. It's not like. It's not like. What I'm trying to say is people need to go, don't need to go out and become identical to what you are to have it work. What, what's what's magical about the way you're doing it is you're looking at your own situation saying, how can I integrate in my real estate business into my existing life? How can I find the people that I need to find? How can I develop a buyer's list from them? And how can I improve that using the resources that you already have? People that you've known for 20 years, people that you know now. That, and, and it's the main thing is you're not shy to get out there and talk about what you're doing.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah, I don't have a problem doing that. At all. I mean, I, I owned an insurance agency for oh, almost 20 years. So I mean, I was you're constantly, you know, constantly out there marketing yourself all the time. Uh, and uh, also, one of my first jobs I ever had, and, it's, and laugh about one of the first jobs I ever had when I was like, 21, 22, outside of coaching was selling photocopiers. And uh, <laughs> cold calling businesses, you know, all day long in that. And that, if anything, I'll give you thick skin. So it it doesn't, I mean, that kind of stuff doesn't bother me at all.
3: Well, you know, now that's, you went through your (laughs) draw by fire selling copiers and and developing a thick skin. What do you, I'm, I'm convinced that, that toughening up the skin is a super important things, uh, thing to do. You know, at both, at both times you've been to the boot camp, I talk about that need to really toughen up your own skin to handle the rejection that's bound to come. So what, What words of wisdom can you say around that to get people who may be a little sensitive to being heard no or a little sensitive to being rejected? What what could you do? What lessons have you learned through that process to toughen up your skin?
1: Way I always look at it. I always think every no is one step closer to the next. Yes. I mean, that sounds kind of cliche. And that's kind of something I was (laughs) I learned years ago, you know, from different uh, sales managers I had when I was in my early 20s and stuff a buddy of mine, uh, prefers he's in gas mode. He doesn't give a S word. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, and that's kind of a, i mean, I've developed that more over the years and I'm, I've developed, you know, and I'm really living by it now. I don't, you know, I'm, Hey, I'll keep asking. I mean, that's, um, I'm not going to worry about, you know, one person, you know, either getting upset about me calling them or whatever. I mean, you know, cause it's, i got to, I got to think about myself and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be rude. I'm not going to be overly in their face, but you know, if I, my personality is such that, okay, I'm amicable. I, I can get a good dialogue going with people and stuff and finding common ground when discussing things with them. Uh, but when it comes to a no, it's like, okay, that's fine. And then I always kind of keep in mind that maybe down the line sometime they may, they may need something, uh, be it a buyer, even, you know, someone that doesn't want to, you know, if I approach them as on my buyer's list and they're not in the industry at all, but I, you know, or possibly as a private money person and if they say no well I'll just maybe down line I might ask them again because you never know that things might change
3: no is not no no is
1: just no for now exactly well yesterday my wife and I went to breakfast in, in a small little diner down here and we were seated at a table with four, a big table, like with five or six seats, just the two of us. And this older gentleman and his mom, were, they had no place to sit. So I let him join us, told him to join us. And turns out he's a guy that has a couple of rental houses in the Tillamook area.
3: <laughs>
1: and, uh, you know, just uh, he's a guy who worked for the Forest Service. So if those of you know the area down here, a lot of, lot of woods and a lot of lumber and all that kind of stuff. And he's a retired Forest Service, retired Navy. Which I apologize to him; I felt badly because I'm former Army. So, uh, <laughs> and uh, and his mom was celebrating her 90th birthday, and he was all over the idea of possibly funding because he kind of understands the rental market a little bit. he's not really looking for any rental houses, but he has some cash that he would consider possibly, uh, you know, doing a, a loan on a or some gap funding on a on a flip kind of thing. So, always trying to figure something out.
3: Fantastic. Yeah. I think it's, you keep yourself out there and you're not shy about what you're doing because yeah. you recognize what you're doing is good for people. It's good for the housing industry. It's good for the neighborhoods. It's good for the state. It's, it's just good.
1: Yeah. And if you know, I mean, you traveled a little bit in the Oregon area, mm-hmm. uh, you get outside the Metro area and there are some areas that just need help. It's, you know, they've been forgotten for years. The timber industry and stuff has kind of passed them by with different things, you know, spotted owl and all those. And there's a lot of towns where it's just, you drive through them, you're going, God, you know, it's, they just need, just need a, just need a help, just need some sort of help. And, uh, cause people aren't willing to move like they used to for jobs. So they want to kind of stay in an area and well, that's fine, but it's when there's nothing there, then we got to figure something else out. Yeah.
2: Hey Mark, I was wondering how your confidence with these types of deals has increased. Cause it said that's something you had dabbled in previously to finding Tom's program. And I'm wondering how that's changed now.
1: One of the nice things is a lot of times when I, before I got into the program with Tom is I was real hesitant on a lot of stuff because I didn't feel confident enough in, you know, the contract and and making sure that I'm kind of covered in the whole deal. And if something goes sideways, I'm able to get out of it. And I've had to do that a few times uh, since starting Tom's program. So he went, what was nice, uh, the training and I made sure that the people that went with me and I, and I've done it with some other people is the step by step that he goes through the contract line by line right there, reading that and knowing that has helped my confidence level big time. So I went into one deal, kind of, it was It's going to, it was going to be a pretty good deal, but as it turned out, they were losing the house due to, um, not paying their property taxes. And, uh, we're going to do a kind of a rent back, buy it from them, rent back for a couple of years as an older, older widow. And then at the end of that, then, you know, redo it and then sell it. And there was going to be a pretty good profit margin, but one thing led to another and, and she had a son that lived out of state that ended up coming kind of paying some of the back taxes to keep him in there. but I was able to be confident in that whole deal because of uh, you know knowing the contract was set up and such that it was able to um, you know if it didn't work, I was able to get my money back on the on the earnest money and 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 on to the next one. so it's it's worked out well.
2: So, if you think back uh, to where you were before you were introduced to Tom's program, what advice would you give to anyone who was in your shoes at that time?
1: My advice would be to make offers, make offers, and make a lot of offers. I was a little more hesitant on some of them because I just wasn't the confidence wasn't there, and then kind of figuring out my exit strategy. You know, I wasn't wasn't as good at that. I I've, I've since obviously learned that in my getting my buyers list together and the diversity of my buyers list. So pretty much any property that I can make an offer on, I've got a, I've got an exit strategy that's going to work and make me money and make, you know, make the other person some money as well. But that's the thing it's just confidence in doing a lot of offers. And then the marketing process of it is, you know, the out of state owners and things. And I was doing little of that. I didn't do many bulk mailings and things, but I would, you know, contact, but it was stuff I was doing was real slow going. I, I don't know if that's a, proper term but it was uh very f- slow very this whereas i'm able with some of tom's help able to you know hit a lot more things you know mass mailings to the home, the out-of-state homeowners and things you know out-of-area homeowners and uh, that's helped the and then not real and another thing too yeah that's i was going to say that what i was doing before i kind of started uh going to the tom tom's things is i look more at everything as me doing it as a flip and it doesn't necessarily always work, work well that way because um, in like these cases where I have my friend that buys it as a rental, obviously there's not as much margin in there, um, which is fine. It works for him and then I'm able to make some money with it. But for me, doing it as a flip and then possibly having to use hard money and, and that kind of thing, it wasn't going to work. So I, I would walk away from a lot, of, a lot of deals that now work for me in one, one way or another. So that's the main thing: just confidence and and knowing what the exit strategy is, and having the buyers list in place that allows me to um, to meet those goals.
3: Was it any one particular thing I said, or one particular thing I taught? I know you said you got a lot of confidence from knowing the contracts, but it, like, what came together the to, to really get you moving faster and moving more consistently?
1: Having a plan, uh, like you said, like when I got went to the two boot camps. All three of us, the two people that I brought in myself, we just uh, basically hit the ground running when we got back. That's, you know, we got got the list. We got uh, both the other people are actual real estate agents as well. So that's worked out there because they're all of us are able to get access to things that the normal person, they can get to if they have a relationship with another agent, but I'm able to get to it a lot easier and uh, on my own time frame, and not having to depend on a real estate agent to to get that information. And I think it was just a whole, God, it wasn't really any one thing. It was a, it was a combination of everything, knowing the contract, knowing the marketing and who I'm hitting. And then also um, the fun one was the, uh, the flinching, you know, in dealing with the negotiation That's, (laughs) that's, you know, that's always good. And then kind of that and watching uh, HGTV, I guess, no, just kidding on that. (laughs) (laughs) Or million dollar listings or one of those kind of things.
3: Gotcha. So it's kind of a combination of everything and understanding the process, understanding the details, the ins, the outs, the left, yep. the right, everything kind of comes together and just clicked.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing is it's a process. All of it is process and having, uh, having system set up. And that was the key is, is just learning to have a system set up. And I get in and every time I get a chance to, you know, to work on all that stuff, I know exactly what I need to do. I uh, get my mailers out. And going from there, whereas before, it was kind of a shotgun approach, right? Okay, I do a little of this. Oh, gosh, it's not really working. You know, I didn't give some things enough time. And that's the thing you said. You said it's not going to happen overnight. And I know that in, you know, spending my whole adult life in sales. But uh, I know it's, you know, it's going to take a few mailers to the same person to get any kind of a response.
3: Yeah, you had mentioned on those. Um, I think the first two deals you, you spoke about earlier that both of those were a result of your second mailing.
1: Yeah, both those were the second mailing and uh, dealing when when I started talking to the first gentleman in person, you know, I kind of told him what I'm, you know, the background, and he understood because he was getting other mailers and and things. But uh, I was able, you know, I actually went. He lived in a different part of the area, so I went to where he was. Not, we looked at the property together, but I originally went to where he was. And then we met another day at his property and he liked that idea. And, uh, you know, it's something that you can't always do. But with that and in the conversation, I mentioned that I sent other mailers to other people around and, he, and then one thing led to another. And then he realized that I sent a mailer to a friend of his that had the other property. And that was pretty quick because, you know, the one said that the, he'd worked with me in person and all that and and kind of greased the skids <laughs> for that grease the wheels a little bit.
3: Gotcha. And that was 10,000 on the first one and then 5,000
1: from his friend's property. Yeah. The other one was going to be a little bit more, but then we, the wholesaler that I was dealing with or the, uh, the flipper I was dealing with, you know, we kind of had to change things a little bit up. And so it was a couple grand less than I initially anticipated, but that's fine.
3: It happens. Yeah. Still, it's still $5,000. Yeah. Oh from yeah. This. Nothing
1: wrong with that. Yeah. That'll buy a lot, buy a lot of um, lattes out here and,
3: a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, oh yeah well so you know as, as you're going through that you talk. You, you mentioned something Mark you said you weren't the only mailing he had received he'd received other investors marketing and yet yes. he chose you any ideas why what what set you apart from the, what what made you stand out
1: um, cause he sent the, se- cause I sent the second one. He says he gets a lot of them one time. And it's the fact that he got the second one from me and he recognized it. Mm-hmm. And that, that was what I think. That's what I think was the, the key to that one. Cause he recognized it. He said, Oh, i remember seeing this a few weeks back. And he called on it and uh, I used a you know, I have a local number. I'm from the area. Uh, I grew up not too far from where that house is in the, in the Beaverton area, which is West of Portland and a suburb of Portland. And so, um, it worked out well. And the conversation got going I said, Oh yeah, I know exactly. I lived over here and just, that's my, my strength, one of my strengths in sales over the years is, is I'm able to find common ground with people. Small I, talk I, and yeah. Ground. Small talk. I'm able to kind of figure out something that we have in common that we can talk about, be it a sports team or, you know, or maybe a job I had or maybe a school that they, you know, attended that I might've known somebody at their school. I mean, just, you'd be, you'd be surprised if you dig deep enough, you'll find something. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. So you were able to build rapport with him and which, which helps solidify the relationship, but he initially called you quite simply because you bothered this on the second round of mailing to the exact same people who had not responded the first time.
1: Oh yeah. So it was the second mailing to him. And then the other person, you know, was the same same way, um, but then he he had conversations with this gentleman, so it worked out pretty well.
3: Yeah, repetition is the key. I mean, I call I call it multiplication or, or repetition. But when you multiply your marketing effort, it stands out, and a large part of the time, it stands out because. Everyone else sent one round of mailing, said, oh, that didn't work. Woe is me. All I did was waste money. Oh, it's all late night TV garbage. And then they, they <laughs> run and hide.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, and they go to the mailbox and they get a bunch of returns and, and all that and they get discouraged. Yeah. And it, it's easy to get that way. I call it kind of a, for in the military the term that we use is force multiplier, right? So you just have something out there that just... Duplicate yourself which is a lot of mailings instead of just knocking on each of those doors you you could able to cover a lot more ground you know with, with the mailings and, and things like that so
3: so the repetition the multiplication of your mailing efforts is the force multiplier
1: in your business exactly yep and then i'm doing that with you know uh two other people and then i'm gonna i'm in the process of bringing a couple others on that uh that will do the portland area as well but you know it's a big enough area that i can make something on them. You know, I make a little bit on, on the people. I, I provide them the training and all that. And, and I've known them for, you know, prior to getting into this. So they're happy about it. And I make some money on areas that I would not have had time to even, even deal with, you know, different parts of the state. Yeah. So why not?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Your, your strategy has been to um, build the team Yep. and do you run them as employees or are they contractors? They are the strictly
1: contract. They do their own, own deals and everything. So it's, Yep, Good man. Group. I was hoping you. I would have
3: been disappointed if you had said otherwise. <laughs> I, say, yeah, yeah,
1: I pay a minimum wage. No, no, yeah. no. no yeah. They make exactly, and and like I said, yeah, it's it's areas I wouldn't wouldn't have done, and and um, and if I'm helping someone out too, because uh, one's a single mother that you know is always. You know, looking to pay for the the daughter's uh, softball team kind of stuff. That's what her big complaint is all the time: is how much it costs to pay for those, lead, you know, teams that they they're on. That's you know all the well. I say, hey, do one or, one of these a month, and this will will pay for everything. That's you know, all it takes. Worry about.
3: Yep, exactly. Good, and they're a, yeah, they're able to operate under under your guidance and leadership. Works so out fantastic.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: So, what has it been? I know since you've. You've been to my boot camp twice. You've brought people each time, and you're planning on sending your these team members that we're talking about. You're sending them to me for training. Why is it easier for me to train them for you than than you? I mean, you've been trained. Why don't you just retrain them?
1: Um, I know I'll miss something. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I mean, you've done it and you've done the training and you've got it down and you, and you do it and you do it well and that's what's helped. I, I take them there, and going over the contract. But another thing too that's nice about it is it makes to them, it makes it kind of a big deal. You know, I say, Hey, I'll pay for you to go, you know, you have your own room. We're going to Washington DC kind of makes it more of a, a bigger deal for them. I remember back when I, I mentioned I was in insurance for 20 years, I had an all state agency. So at the beginning of my all state agency career, um, they changed a few things, but I mean, I went to Chicago for two weeks and had training there and I thought it was kind of a big deal, you know, big deal than having some regional guy, you know, sit down with me at my office and kind of go over things. It it makes it more of a a bigger deal for them. I thought, I thought, okay. Yeah. And they, and they get it and they go, and I go, this is kind of cool. He's willing to invest in me. I'm going to work hard for him so he can get his percentage. I get my percentage and so on and so forth. So it works out good. Yeah. And then, but that's it. But I mean, you go over that soup to nuts, um, on, uh, on wholesaling and it, and they can hit the ground running. And I pretty much don't have to answer a whole lot of questions. For them, they're able they know everything that they need to know they just got to experience it but they, they're able to get started
3: fantastic so yeah they we get them not just hit the ground running but hit the ground hit the ground sprinting
1: yes <laughs> very good They're very good yeah
3: just a track and field coach i'm sure you appreciate
1: <laughs> and if you and if uh those of you have ever seen me i'm not much of a sprinter so um, I coached coach throwing guys so <laughs> so Especially. we hit the ground kind of lumbering. How's that? Yeah, fine.
3: <laughs> Yeah, you're more of a shot putting discus
1: kind of guy. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, I leave the sprinting to the little little guys than, than myself. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> from the smaller ones. That's fine. Yeah,
3: <laughs> very good. What else, Mark? Anything? Um, any other deals working on any other uh, anything else you think would be helpful that you'd like to add?
1: You know, one thing too in, in your program you've had speakers. I, and I think they're through your RIA back in, um, the traction RIA in Washington, DC, but I've been able to, uh, attend some of your meetings where you've had some outside speakers, uh, Alan Cowgill being one Cameron Dunlop. And those have been really good, really building up my tool bag, if you will, I guess would be a term. So I'm able to look at just about anything and have some sort of a program that I can actually make money on. So I'm learning how to, um, well with Alan Cowgill, I've learned the, uh, private money part of things and, mm-hmm. uh, and then camera Dunlop the systems. Uh, so I have, I've been using his, um, vacant home strategy and those are all different things that I've learned, you know, I've gotten from, from attending your uh, webinars, uh, that I think are geared towards, you know, your local traction area, but I'm able to take advantage of that as well.
3: Yeah. I usually, I have them in locally, but it's, it's geared, it's geared towards anybody. I happen to present yeah. them locally, but it is an all put. We'll have links in the show notes the to, to each of those gentlemen as well. That way if people that want to invest in themselves. So you, you've not you've not hesitated to invest in yourself. Why No, nope, that?
1: Not, uh, because I, I know the value of it. Uh, I remember back in the day when I first started Allstate, um, uh, being a I was self-employed and you know independent contractor, but they provided a lot of training, and I thought that was good. And I, you know, I like in-person training because, you know, you can get some dialogue going back and forth and, and, and so, and so on. So I know the value of that. And those things were provided by Allstate at the time, but I always kind of uh, appreciate it, but I under, it helps me. And so that's why I'm investing, you know, this time in my own money into it, investing, um, you know, and then I also, like I said, living an hour and a half away from the, the area that I, I work, because there's not much between me and there, as far as uh, population is I'm trying to set things up where I could do most most of everything from here have a little command center kind of thing. And I can, do it, I can do it all from, from here and not have to worry so much about being on the ground and having the bird dog set up and have uh, learn about no buying, you know, is one thing I've, I've learned and I'm working on it and all that. So that way I have just a whole bunch of different, different things that I can do to make, make, uh, make money in this.
3: Fantastic. And on terms of being in your command center and, yeah. and running your business and, you know, kind of because kind of, you're all starting to dominate your state, which is fantastic. What elements because I do I do a nice chunk at the boot camp that's on running your systems and how to systematize and, and get more time out of the day, more money out of what you already have. And what, what have you found useful about that? Because I usually find people that have been multiple times uh, always appreciate that part more and more.
1: Well, what I'm able to do is I get up in the morning and I do my, you know, search around. I'll, I'll mainly search around a little bit of uh, multiple listings, find some stuff that's maybe off, you know, gone, uh, in the certain areas that expired, expired listings and things. Uh, so I kind of, I kind of set out the day that way. And then as of right now, I leave about 10 o'clock, drive into Portland, do my thing, do a little drive around, go coach, and then drive home. I get home about seven or eight o'clock at night and, um, and do a little bit more work and get the, get the mailers done. I do the mailers through Vistaprint. So that way I just send them the list. It's easy. I don't I'm not stamping things and address and things and stuff. So I just, I know it costs a little bit, but you know, time is money. And, uh, so it's allowed me to like, okay, I got to do this stuff. It's going to cost me this much in stamps and mailing and printing and just make it happen.
3: Mark well fantastic I, i've I'm, I'm excited for you and glad to hear about all your successes um, as we start to wrap it up do you have any final thoughts you want to share
1: yeah no I appreciate doing this this is this is great I, I've learned a ton ton from you and your and your training and um, just if I could tell people that if they want to bring other people to them to get them trained up because it's a lot easier for Tom to do it than for me to do it at this point uh so it, it's worked out well and just the old cliche every no is one one step closer to yes i mean that's kind of words i've lived by for forever hopefully that works for for people
3: yeah absolutely yeah every no is one step closer to yes you know some sometimes cliches are cliches for a reason yeah. it doesn't mean they're not true just because they're cliches
1: yeah exactly
3: well fantastic well mark thanks very much for the interview i'm i know people have gotten a lot out of this in fact listen to this one a second time for sure folks because if you start to look at all the nuance that was in there and the, and the things that were said, there's a lot of, a lot of fantastic lessons that are really to launch your real estate investing business as well. So, Mark, thanks. Appreciate it. Oh,
1: you're welcome. Anytime.
2: Thanks for listening. Your next step is to visit GetTractionPodcast.com. There you'll find all current episodes and a link to download a free copy of Tom's Deal Flow Cheat Sheet. Happy wholesaling.